1: Welcome back to the Principal Leadership Lab, a podcast experience created for you by two public school administrators. Without further ado, let's join Jeff and Adam in this week's episode.
0: Hey, Adam! Welcome back. Another episode of the Principal Leadership Lab. How are you doing today, my friend?
1: I am doing so good that people call me Jeff from time to
0: time. Hey, really? Oh man! You, you, you know, you now you really know finally what it feels like to be me. It is amazing.
1: Yeah, they've actually never said that
0: unless you meant Jeff Gargas from Teeth. <laughs> no. Okay. No,
1: no. I'm I'm a member of Team Ray, remember?
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's unfortunate, man. I am Team Jeff all the way. Oh, and not because of our names, because he is way cooler and he's not nearly as mean to Ray. Ray is so mean to him.
1: She's ruthless, but I kinda like that. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. about it. Happy birthday, by the way. Today on this twenty fifth episode of the Principal Leadership Lab, it is your birthday. And you I'm know, not I know gonna- I
1: I didn't think about that, but it is the 25th episode. That's awesome that you made the connection. So 25 years old and 25th episode.
0: No, you you, you, you surpassed that a long time ago, buddy. But uh, it is the 25th episode
1: nonetheless, man. So happy birthday. Well, thank you very much. It's been a good day and lots of people have said nice things. And then some people have said not nice things because they didn't know it was my birthday.
0: (laughs) That's why you got to start the day off right, man. Tell everybody that it's your birthday week and then they'll be nice to you
1: for the whole week. I did start the day off right. I had a, I scheduled it. You know, that's a difference for anybody that's looking at making a difference in their career. Schedule things because those are the things that get done. If you put it on on your calendar, it's going to get done. So this morning at eight o'clock, I started with the Teach Better team and Jeff and a lot of others. And we had the administrator mastermind this morning and I learned a ton. So one hour is far better than attending a conference, you know, driving or flying or doing whatever. We learned a ton within one hour from other experts that are principals and practitioners and Jeff Gargas, because he's not either, but he's, he knows a lot. He knows so a lot. We learn together. Dude knows
0: a lot. And maybe uh, our guest would uh, know something about the admin mastermind um, uh, or maybe not. And if he doesn't, then I'm going to invite him to it and he can show up next week with us. So we want to welcome in today on this 25th episode, Dr. Andy Jacks, principal at Ashland Elementary down in Virginia. Andy, how are you today, buddy?
2: I'm doing great. Happy to be here, you guys.
1: That's good.
0: Yeah, you didn't know it, but you know, 25th episode, Adam's birthday. This is an episode for the generation,
2: man. This is special. I feel honored. (laughs)
0: <laughs> this is special. This is special. So uh, you, I, I don't know, Andy, do you, I mean, we we brought it up already. Do you know about the Teach Better Admin Mastermind?
2: I'm learning. So tell me more. I'm learning.
0: Yeah, it is. It is great. I mean, um, I don't know if you, uh, uh, how connected you are with Teach Better team, but Dave Schmidto is now running the uh, Admin Mastermind. And we meet every Tuesday morning at 8 p.m. Central or uh,
1: 8 a.m. Central.
0: Sorry, 8 a.m. Central. I think it's, and they also do a 6 p.m. Central time as well. Yep, right? yep. yeah, 6 p.m. So they do it twice a day, and and admi- administrators from around the nation join them. I and we had people on this morning from New Jersey, and and Olivia uh, Chan from Canada, and and um, Robert Breyer down in North Carolina, and uh, Adam Dewitt from yep. beyond behind the cheddar curtain up in Wisconsin, and yep myself. And it's just, a it, we meet every single week and it's a great way to start the week. It's a great way to start on Tuesday. And uh, we just talk about, you know, somebody ha- usually has an issue um, and, and they air that. And then we all kind of, you know, hop in and figure out solutions for it um, Mike Earnshaw I don't know if you might know Mike Earnshaw the punk rock classroom podcast guy he's a principal in Illinois here um, it was his turn today and the, and then we end with a commitment you know like how are you what are you going to commit to for the week and we kind of hold each other accountable so it's awesome man and I am in officially inviting you Dr. Jax I'm going to let you know about it I'm going to remind you when it's coming up Tuesday mornings eight, eight o'clock central
1: and yeah, for all it. or all of our listeners will make sure that we put that uh, link to teach better and the, in the uh, mastermind inside of our, our notes today.
0: Absolutely. You won't be, you won't be, um, you, you'll be happy you went, man. It's really good. It's really good and re- energizing and fulfilling. So.
2: Yeah, I appreciate that. I love it. I love anytime you can get leaders together to talk about the real work that we're doing because solutions are there. They're just sometimes a little bit more complicated and we got to talk through these things and, you know, so many times that we all live in our little bubbles, you know, we have the limited yeah. knowledge that we have in our bubbles and trying to get out of that and learn from each other across the country. It's we're at a unique time where we can do that now.
1: It's so true. I posed one question today and I got four different answers and mm-hmm. my team in my own district, we've been trying to work through it and none of those were the same solutions that we've come up with. So I, I'm bringing four new solutions back to my building after one, one hour session. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, that's amazing.
0: For sure. So Andy, we are just thrilled that you're here today. Um, you know, I want to give you an opportunity to for our listeners who might not know uh who you are. You know, I mentioned that you're a principal of uh, Ashland Elementary School and you've been what th- there for what? 10 11 years now?
2: Yeah, it's my 11th year. Time flies. Wow, it's crazy. I went from ahead. that, you know, young whippersnapper. <laughs> I I used to get the uh you're you're too young to be the principal, right? You know? Oh, sure. And uh and now they don't ask me that anymore. <laughs> a little bit every once in a while, you know. So I, I used to not like that, and now I miss it. You know, it's funny how that works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It's been a long time since they've asked me that. But when the silver started growing in, people don't ask me that anymore. Like, yeah, yeah, that's
2: why. I, that's why I shave my beard. So <laughs> same thing. <laughs> well, I
1: have I have blondes in mind. So it's you,
2: dude, those good. are not blondes. man. Those
1: well, if I turn the lights down, it looks more blonde. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's funny.
0: That's funny. Oh, that's right. You're only twenty five today on this. Show. <laughs>
2: <laughs> right. happy I don't birthday know by mentioned- the way happy birthday
0: uh, absolutely Thanks. happy Thanks. birthday Adam on um, this our 25th episode of the principal leadership lab so Andy uh, as I was saying man I mean I mean you, there's a whole list of things that we could talk about but I really just want you just you know you to give you the floor for a few minutes and just tell people who you are man how you got your start in education uh what you what you've been working on the last couple of years down in Virginia there
2: Sure, yeah. Again, I'm glad to be here. You know, if if they would have asked me as a kid what I would have done as an adult, I I don't think that anyone would would believe what I'm doing right now and to the extent that I'm doing it. Um, I was that kid who got in trouble all the time. I was labeled obnoxious, you know, which I still am. I mean, they are right, but, you know, I was not – I was successful sort of like academically, but I was, you know, successful to a fault. I'd get in trouble all the time, talk too much, you know, just always constantly – Getting into something and, you know, those social problems that you have in school, um, I've learned to sort of understand that better with our students and help teachers understand those. And now I try to help other schools and school leaders, you know, think about those troubles that kids have and sort of rearrange our schools to accommodate that a little bit better. Um, I've been a principal for a long time and, you know, you start to see the same issues come up and up and again. And then you know you can either have the same solutions that don't go anywhere, or you can come up with some better solutions of your own. Um, you know I'm super passionate about growing together as leaders. So not only on the principal side of it locally with our school division, uh, but also the NAESP. I'm now a senior fellow, and we cover multiple wow. centers now. So Center for Innovative Leadership, and we're having multiple other centers and focus areas for NAESP that we're looking at uh, because I this idea that you know. Principals often get left out of the conversation of school change, even though principal is still the number one factor that affects school change and improvements. Wow. You know, we talk about teachers and teachers are amazingly important, but the school principal directly impacts every teacher in the building. And so I believe so strongly to give more voice and more value to the principal position and school leaders in general, because the, the things that we deal with now are just intense. You know, they're crazy. You know, it was, and it wasn't just COVID. You know, it was, it was already crazy, the things we were dealing with. And now that just sort of amplified the need for leadership and strong leadership. And so, you know, that really, I've been thinking a lot more and more about what that means during crises. you know? So, you know, like even right now, just this whole idea of how do you lead through intense situations and what common characteristics of successful leaders out there sort of emerge, you know? Um, so I've been just sort of wandering through this like everybody else, but there's sort of these themes that pop up in your head.
1: Do you ever get stuck thinking that sometimes research says that one thing like principals impact school change more than other positions may do or may have? And then you wonder like, oh, that's a that's a pretty tough look in the mirror. You know, when I, when I want my school to go here and it hasn't moved and then you read that, isn't that kind of like, oh, that doesn't sound so good
2: i mean i love it i mean personally i love the pressure you know i love the authority i mean i'm not gonna lie i mean i I love being in charge in that sense you know but the responsibility is is directly connected to that so and i'll give you just my own story my own journey you know i i don't think i was always a great principal you know i think there's moments where i did fine and there's moments that i I struggled and i learned from and that's a critical piece in this job is you got to learn from those mistakes that you're making and listen to others And this sense of like, you know, you can't change your school. All you can really do is change yourself. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to change anything in your building, you start with you as a leader. You change how you interact with people, the uh, the work ethic, how organized you are, how you communicate, how you listen and then take their feedback and actually, God forbid, use their feedback. Right. And all those things you can affect for yourself. And that then has an impact on others. And I would think I there was like probably year three or so I was like in this place of like, yeah, we've made some good gains academically, but when you start plateauing and I realized so much that it was it was really the I couldn't I couldn't like force change any more than I was doing. I was like I was like pushing so hard and I realized I had to do a lot more pulling where I had to sort of lead from you know from the front and, and model a little bit more about what I sort of wanted them to do as well. And so that sort of switched things around in my mind and made me actually happier, you know, and and Maybe me take a little pressure off myself and try to really think about more of, you know, how do I inspire people to come along this journey and be more successful as opposed, as opposed to making people. Cause you can't make anybody do anything. That's the first thing maybe leaders. If you're listening out there, like you can't force just because you have the authority of it doesn't mean people have to listen to you. <laughs> you know, so, so really, you know, how do we get people to want to do things? You know, that, that's a critical step.
0: You know what? That's such a good point, Andy. I mean, and, and I want to point out also to our listeners that you, you, this is the start of your 11th year in the same building. Right. I mean, talk about you know building relationships and and getting people to f- want to follow you and to want to listen to you y- you 're right you can 't make people do things you know so I mean talk a little bit to our to our listeners today about you know the the importance of trust and that that longevity that you have there and maybe how that plays into the fact that um, you know, you guys, I mean, I I could point out to, you know, like it says in, and it talks about in your bio, like you've skyrocketed student achievement becoming one of the top performers in the state. And I'm telling you right now, you, you don't, you can't pull people along and have that kind of success. Right. So, I mean, your, your success there has a lot to do with, um, building trust and relationships with people.
2: Absolutely. And trust is earned both ways. Um, being there for so long is a double-edged sword because mm. your your old tricks <laughs> that you used, you know, don't don't work, you know, like they used to, and you have to continue to inspire even the same people, and then you have new people come along. And, we, and you know, I'm in Northern Virginia and close to Washington D.C., and the transiency of this area is pretty intense as well. So we have people coming and going, students in and out all the time, staff generally move around a lot in this area, and so every year is almost like a new. You know, uplifting motivational thing that you have to do. So every year I have a new sort of motto for the building and, and sort of a, a theme, a philosophical theme for motivation. You know, and um, ultimately the trust piece of it comes down to, um, you know, empowering them to actually feel like they can make decisions and take risks you know, and uh, I have in my office, I have a green light that I have on all the time. It's like one of those stop lights and I took the red and yellow bulb out of it and I just have this green light on and you actually push it and turns the green light on. And I have it on, even when people aren't there, I have it on. And it's important as a reminder for myself more than anybody else that if you're gonna give people a green light, you have to really give them the resources and and, uh, Mm. sort of somewhat of autonomy and some flexibility and support when they make mistakes but you also want to create a mentality of like, we got to go, let's do things. You know, let, let's create some change. Let's get after it. Let's do what we have to do for kids. And uh, let's not sit back, wait for other people to do it. Because, you know, this idea that someone else is going to help your kids for you isn't going to happen. You know, you got to, you got to be the one to, to help the kids right in front of you, you know, and not wish for other kids. And so that sense of trusting that you have the same mindset is is critical, you know, so it's that whole loose tight mentality, you know, mm. Mm.
1: I had a teacher at a middle school that I used to be a principal at that eventually she became a principal as well. And she said something that I still don't know if I can square the circle of what she said, but she said, not everybody wants to be a leader. So we should stop trying to put people on teams and and forcing them to lead certain situations. And I guess I don't know that I ever, I, I don't know that I ever put people in positions that they can't excel at, but what do you think about that? Is that something that people should always be a part of some kind of leadership position within a school, you know, teacher leaders or uh, building leadership teams, rotating in and out. How would you handle that in your school?
2: Yeah. And that's it for me with 11 years, that's changed over time. There's times where I didn't have a leadership team. There's times where I do. Um, There's times where one particular leader would stay as a leader for a long time. And there's times like even recently where some of the best leaders in the school uh, we mutually decided to just move into a a different direction, not because they were doing a bad job. They're phenomenal, but they themselves saw the need for someone else to sort of emerge as that role. And uh, to me, leadership is all about sort of opportunity and interest. You know, if, if someone has opportunity to to make some changes in an area that highly interests them, they're going to be very motivated and a self-starter and do things on their own time and have fun with it and gain energy and all those things. If if you're forcing somebody to do something, it's not going to be very good typically. Even if Even if they're a good leader, they just There's this inherent sense of internal motivation that forces that really kind of, you know, gets you going and wakes you up in the morning. And and, um, people that are are in that mindset do very well with whatever they're doing. So I try to kind of connect the dots, you know, and the school has developed in different ways and, and changed different ways because of those interests that my staff have. So maybe in the beginning of my principal career, I would have said, you know, I have a vision for my school and I think that we should be STEM or whatever the whatever your whatever your initiative that you want to have for that year is going to be. And now I'm way more in, in tune to what the teachers want, you know, what our parents want. And so I've sort of let go of this sense of, I think I know what's important and, and I've taken actually the pressure off me to do that. And of course, you know how that works. Once they have more choice in the direction that you're going, they're going to be more invested and interested and they're gonna work harder and they'll appreciate you more and there builds that relationship then which gets in the trust and that's that positive spin cycle.
0: Yeah, sure. I think it's an important conversation to have, and I think it's important to to talk about and think about the longevity of principals, keeping principals in their seats in in schools. And and, and uh, you know, there's just a story the other day I read about about uh, principals thinking about leaving the profession because they never signed up for this, right? Mm-hmm. Especially COVID right now, right? I mean, it just added so such a different spin on our responsibilities as administrators already. Right. But I think it's an important conversation and I love the fact that you talk about, you know, I think uh, Doug Reeves talked a lot about loose tight mentality, you know, and uh, given, given your staff, the green light, I love the green light, Andy. That's so amazing. That means to me, like, you come to me. I'm going to say yes. I'm going to provide you with the resources and support you need. And like Adam, you talk about all the time, if it doesn't work, just change what you're doing and don't do that again. Just learn from it. Right.
2: right.
1: Yeah. I need to add the the Andy Jack's component though. I need to make sure that they understand that they have the resources as well to yes. take the risk. I think sometimes right. they may think that I'm saying, yeah, go do it, man. Whatever you need, just yes, go yep. do it. Sure. Except If you need money, then, <laughs> then you need to ask another question. But I, I seriously, I feel that same exact way, but I'll be more explicit when I say it. I will be very clear. So do what you need to do. What do you need from me? All right.
2: Yeah, you've got to, you really, the more that you back that up financially and fast, quickly, mm-hmm. um, gains that trust from them that you, you mean what you say. And I think that's probably a common theme through teachers is that they, they feel pressure to do all these things sort of on their own, you know, on their own time, on their own dime all these things and i think some of that's inevitable but i still believe that we can provide a tremendous amount of resources in fact if i see like if i see my staff put something out there like uh let's say a donor 's shoes or something like that i'm like let me buy it for you what do you need i'll just take care of it let's do it right now and you know and i have a budget and i have the you know, limitations as well but i think principals put this false sense of um insecurity on themselves on their budgets mm. And, and we're going to spend all the money. And I tell my staff, I'm never one to say I don't have money. I, I just I think that's a wrong mentality from principals when we say we're always broke. We don't have money, all these things. Well, you have, you have what you have, right? right? You have the funds that are given to you and provided to you by your, by your community and you know, by your uh, school division district. And that is what you have. And that should be there for your staff to capitalize on. And if they feel like you're hoarding that money for some other thing, Then that's when you start breaking down trust and they won't take these risks. It's easy for them. It's easy for you to say, go take a risk on your own dime, you know.
1: The one thing I'd like to see our staff do, and again, it comes from the principal's office, I think to start there is to be able to have them develop a budget. So here's the line items that we use in Wisconsin. It's called the woofer code. So give them those codes and say, fill that in. What do you need for classroom supplies? Put it in there. What do you need for other instructional resources? Put it in there and uh, build the budget from there and then just give them all the money. And then really, I mean, really releasing myself from you've, you've got what you've asked for, go do it. And then the next year, you know, there's obviously always some money in the office that we can say, you know what, let's not get some new copier supplies. I'll get some books for students, you know? So this is covered. But today was one of those prime examples. There was a, we hired a new teacher at the high school and hopefully she's listening to this podcast when it comes out in like eight months. But, uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> She, she asked and she wrote this big, long email and I'm sure she's learned this from her undergraduate degree, wrote this big, long email, the reasons why she needs the money, what it's going to be for, how it's going to impact student learning. And I was like, wow, this is awesome. This, I bet this is going to be $10,000. It was $195 oh. and she was asking for that. And I'm like, Hey, you know what? You got it. I think I can find that. I'll help you out. <laughs> so we ordered it right away. I mean, it'll be here in two days. We bought sure. it on Amazon. So I was like, yeah. Wow that she wrote five pages. She right. should have known just to come to me and say I need this Adam. I'm going to Well, and
2: so my challenge Adam is then yes. as you know as leaders how do we you know how do we um, not create a process that will inevitably create a barrier between them and what they want to do? Because mm-hmm. if you create more work for them to do something that they want to do, they just may not do it just cuz of the work aspect of it. And like sure. and would it? and I always ask me this. Like if I ask myself this is would it drive me crazy if, if someone made me do that? Right. Like, you know, and, and oftentimes I, everything drives me crazy. Like, I just get so frustrated on anything that like holds me back from something I want to do. And especially your go getters, you know, you really want to make things as streamlined as possible for them. And so you, you need to get a sense of are we going in the same direction as a school? Right. And I think that's one thing that um, I know we're sort of segueing, but this idea that you have to have a very aligned sense of core beliefs on mm-hmm. what you want to be about as a school. And the more that you're aligned in that sense, then the more that you can trust your staff to go do things because you know the heart of what they're doing is in the right place and so that you know things will work out. You know they're, they're doing it for the right reasons. When, when you don't trust the reasons behind things, then it, it doesn't matter what they do, right? Then you're questioning everything.
1: Yeah, totally. Totally. Hey Jeff, I don't think we're supposed to bring people on that give us challenges, right? Aren't we supposed to like just what the heck's this all about tonight?
0: Oh, that's true. Uh, it's true, Eddie. What are you What are you doing? I mean, you're flipping the script on us, man. You you total, I, I love that though. Aligning yeah. your set of core beliefs, and and that may that means that the leader has to know what those core beliefs are, and then and then make sure that that is very transparent, you know, because th- that that goes with my budget. For example, our budget process here is very transparent. Everybody knows what we have and it's aligned to, you know, not only what, you know, historically what we've needed in the past, whatever, because I'm at the high school level, so, um, you know, what every division and every department needs, but also is it in line with our core beliefs, you know, and then if it's not, then do we really need it? So I love that conversation uh, around, you know, just being, because that's one of the jobs of a leader, right? Is to be physically responsible too, for your budget. And you're right, Andy, every principal has money. Don't tell me you don't. If you don't, you didn't align it with your core beliefs. That's my thought. There you go. Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah. And, and, you know, if you, that's a whole strategic planning kind of conversation, right. You know, and we're afraid to like, like we, you know, pretty much every school district and schools have to make some type of strategic plan to align their goals and everything else. But we sort of leave out the funding component of it sometimes. Yeah, you know? And and if you're spending random money on sort of random things and then you have a need, I'll give you an example. So this is a little more practical example is if uh, we have a student who's really struggling, um, let's say behaviorally and, uh, the team wants to do something like an individualized teacher assistant to support that child in a classroom. We would say something like, uh, that, that's too expensive. I can't afford it. And then on uh, the next day, we may go buy a bunch of whatever, you know, cafeteria tables or whatever you name it as part of our budget that we, that we have to do or should do or whatever, or let's say a 3d printer. Right. Yeah. And then those questions, those teachers could question you on that. You know, what do we need versus what do we want? And who decides what we need and do students ultimately and their feedback on their behavior. So sort of the behavior is feedback. And, and do they decide what we need sort of inherently by by their performance? You know, and so trying to tie those loose ends together, something that I've struggled with and I've changed over the years. In the past, I would have said, no, we can't do that. We can't afford it. Now I'll say I'm going to do whatever I can. If I got the money, I'm going to make it work. You know, and if sure. the most your most glaring issues, take care of them. Like, yes. spend the money on those issues. Don't put them away. Don't like say we can't deal with them. No, it's in your best interest as a principal. Fully fund those initiatives that are the biggest, like maybe problem areas or need areas. Give everything you have got towards those areas, or or else it's unlikely that you're actually going to make the gains you want to make.
0: Yeah, for sure. And and you said it earlier, uh, whether you meant to or not. I mean, remove obstacles from your staff, like, and that goes back to your green light too. Say yes. Yeah. I mean let's take care of the let's take care of those issues right let's let's take care of it I love it Hey switching gears a little bit um cuz budget is boring and so let's talk about something fun I'm just kidding. It's <laughs> a great conversation man I loved it but you have a new book I mean you're contracted with Dave Burgess Consulting man can you talk to us a little bit give us a little preview what that's going to be about when it's coming out
2: Yeah absolutely uh when it's coming out yeah I mean sometimes winter or something you know how this whole process great. works with these different books um it is, uh, it's, a, it's a twist on looking at leadership and student discipline and the impact that we can make as uh, specifically teachers and, and a twist on leaders. Um, I think it's so important that we, you know, use and we take advantage of student discipline as a means for school improvement. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we look at everything but student discipline when we look at sc- school improvement and there's things that we can do that will have a great impact on students, especially if we look at uh, what we can do proactively and what we can physically do. Um, so many times we look at all those things that we can't control, but there are things that we can control and um, how we act, what we say, how we follow through with things, the fidelity of our programs. And uh, I'm very passionate on this sort of, sometimes the obvious things that are right in front of us that we just don't deal with. And this idea that we got to, we, we have to cut out exclusionary discipline as any sorts of means to uh, improve misbehavior You know, my dissertation on my doctorate focused completely on this, this idea of, you know, my question at the time was, why can't we suspend more? Mm. You know, uh, why aren't we allowed to suspend more? And if we're not allowed to suspend more, what do you want me to do instead? Because I don't know what else to do. And I was having serious disciplinary problems with kids that were um, maybe potential disabilities um, or did have disabilities And so I focused a lot on these kids that we know have significant issues and we're still suspending them. Right. And I found out that there are answers and there's clear research on this. There's there's a lot of research that says suspensions are the worst thing that you can do. Lots of research. There's students who are more likely to have all of the at-risk categories if they're suspended even one time. And yet it is such a, a traditional automatic thing that we do in schools. Yep. And I get it if we have like the big three, which I call them, is you have, you know, drugs, serious violence or weapons. You've got to deal with that. And there is exclusionary need for kids to be out of school, potentially, especially at the upper levels for safety reasons. But but if you look at school districts across the country, most of the suspensions and exclusionary, you know, in school suspensions and detentions and all that stuff are from very minor infractions, you know, things like, um, you know, uh, disrespect. Or, uh, believe it or not, truancy, cell phone usage, all these things. And how much of that can we control and how much can not we control?
1: How about insubordination? What's that? Insubordination. That's always a key phrase I hear. Insubordination.
2: Right. And so we can either keep fighting this battle or we can get smarter on this thing. And if we get smarter, if we learn what actually makes a difference, and we're a little bit more thoughtful, proactively about this, we can make huge gains on behaviors. And it's in our best interest because it yeah. makes our world better too. So I really wanna sell this idea to teachers that you know we can and should do these things, and it's for everybody's best interest. These kids are coming into your class, whether you like it or not. You can't teach the kids you want, you gotta teach the kids right yep. in front of you. And choose. Right, and your legacy, you are defined by how you teach all your kids not just your high kids or your average kids, but all ends of the bell curve in your classroom. And those teachers that accept that and have that sense of self-efficacy that no matter what I'm going to take care of these kids, we're going to make them successful, we're going to figure out a way, those teachers are always more successful and happier. And so I'm trying to take what I've learned from those lessons and, and provide those for teachers out there, because this idea that we just, you know, are going to teach most kids and be happy about that, I think is not, is not good enough. We can do better. And I know teachers are doing it out there. We just have to share those practices with everybody else. And especially when teachers enter the practice, because accidentally they could learn these bad habits from others. And so we need to sort of shift gears on what discipline really means for them. Yeah. First of all, we got to hit
1: rewind and go back because I'm a, I'm about ready to go do something right now after hearing that. So <laughs> that was engaging and exciting and over the top. I love it. Thank you, Andy. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna buy that book for every school. Can't wait till the book comes out, district, Because we don't have any discipline problems in my school, but I'm gonna buy it for our neighboring school districts because they need more help. But. Right, so Jeff.
0: We'll buy the book. You'll <laughs> sign it for us, right? Dr. right. Yeah, well, no was,
1: doubt. Thanks, guys. I'm excited. Absolutely. So, thank, I'm. I love to hear and see. I, we can see you today, but our listeners yep. will only hear you. I can see the passion on your face, and yep. that is that's igniting. Thanks for, for sure, being the catalyst. Absolutely. For sure.
0: All right. Just a couple more questions, uh, Andy. And so I want to hear from you. About a leadership struggle, you know, you're in the lab right now. It, it what, what has been maybe uh, something you've struggled with, something maybe you're still wrestling with right now, uh, whether it's, um, you know, whether how you came out of that struggle. You know, every leader has them. I mean, what, what is, what
2: is yours? You know, I'll, I'll relate it back to the discipline conversation I was having, right? So this idea that. I believe that principles should have very clear belief systems and be very outwardly sort of obvious with those beliefs The danger of that is that you can be a little too uh, hard-headed you know with those beliefs and push them in a way that doesn't bring people along with you on that ride if it's mm-hmm. only your belief you know there's the famous I think it's an African proverb that is you know, you can go fast alone or you can go farther together. I think it's something like that. And this idea that um, you got to convince people that what you're doing has value and merit and explain to them why, why you're doing it. And so, you know, when, when I went down to having zero suspensions over multiple years and having, you know, now we're down to zero referrals. and It's not because I don't have disciplinary problems. We have you know, autism programs and we have uh, emotional disability and we have all sorts of special education programs and other just regular students that have issues. And, but ultimately if you just have your sort of hard nosed approach on what you think we should do, I had to really learn that, okay, yes, we're gonna do that but I gotta be much better at convincing people that this is important. I can't do it despite them. I have to help them. And if, and if I say on my end that we're gonna go in a certain direction and just take that leadership and be the tip of the spear, I then have to really support them with how that can work. You know, because, and to my credit for my staff, my staff is absolutely fantastic. But they wanted to know more details on what they could actually do to help. So sure, if sure. if I think that we should do no suspensions, you can't just say that. You can't just say no suspensions. You have to say, okay, here's what we can do instead and here are all the resources I'm going to give you and let me help you to do this and I'm always going to be there for you no matter how difficult this is going to be. Then that makes it a little easier. and That, that took me a little bit to sort of wiggle my way through, especially the people who I really trust and appreciate. Um, Cause they'll tell you the honest truth.
0: And that's the truth. Yeah. You hope you hope so. I mean, you need people in your life. that are going to tell you the absolute honest truth.
2: <laughs> and, and can you <laughs> really. take it? And can no. you take Yep. That's hard. Yep. You know, that and like hard. survey, you don't want to do that through survey data. Cause that's oh, like 100. this sort of random approach to getting feedback. You, you've got to have conversations where they trust you, you trust them and they're direct with you. And tell them, I appreciate your feedback. Keep giving it to me. I'll give you my feedback. But at the end of the day, we're all on the same team. We're a big family. We're going to move forward together.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's so true. Love that quote. Going fast alone, but further together, man. The great leadership quote for people in and in a, in a great struggle and one I would dare say that many leaders have been in. So thanks for sharing that.
2: Yeah, you're welcome. No,
1: we had a survey that we were... Uh, not a survey we were working on a committee a culture and climate committee and we provided them together with teachers admins we provided a survey to the rest of our members of our district and one of the culture and climate members of our committee said well we'll we'll do this and we'll do it earnestly but is it is is the data that we collect going to make any real change Mm -hmm. and I was like dang we don't need to send the survey. I already know where we stand. So yeah. you, you bet I paid attention to that survey this year and, and the results and, and some of the small changes that I could implement without any support from the district office or other team members, just just what I could control from the principal's office. So yeah, you're right. Th- those kinds of things can really get into it. So.
2: And Adam, and I think your point there is so critical. If, if you're going to ask for feedback, you have to use it. You, even if, if it's a little bit, Find mm-hmm. something, find anything that you can grab onto and do as fast as you possibly can for them because mm-hmm. that trust cycle, they only trust you because you, they trust that you're going to fall through with the things that you oh, say yeah. you will for them. Mm-hmm. But if you ask them for feedback, you never change anything. Guess what? Next time they're not going to give you feedback or they won't care. They won't take it seriously. Right. And it sounds obvious, but I know I struggle in that. And so I'm sure other people do too. Right. And that's something we have to, even if you find little things, you got to do them.
1: Absolutely. So true. Andy, I have one last question for you today, at least formally, unless we have some follow-ups, but what are you hopeful for? Here we are, COVID-19. What are you hopeful for?
2: I am extremely impressed with the rate of change that our teachers have done and school leaders have done during this time. And one of the things that I'm excited about is this opportunity for different types of schooling for our students. And I don't think that'll go away. I think that we, we, we move past sort of the threshold into virtual learning as, as an option for students. You know, it's sort of been there a little bit, but now mm-hmm. it's truly an option. And I believe that we have kids that are not designed for the traditional school setting. Yep. And, and, and this is, sounds like I'm going back to the exclusionary piece, but it's not, I'm not talking about excluding them. I'm talking about including them in a way that actually makes sense for what their needs are. You know, in school, we have kids that just are not made for sort of this natural sort of school cookie cutter approach. And in life, you could be a rock climber if you want, you know, you could, you could make podcasts, you could sit in your office and, you know, be an accountant and you could be whatever. But in school, you have pretty much one option and virtual learning now gives you a lot more options for kids. And it makes us rethink the whole idea of what school can be. And through that, we're starting to see how important social emotional learning really is. And the whole child really is. And that academics, academics are important, but they're not everything. And uh, so those things are really exciting to me because I think that um, it's not like when COVID goes away, that's going to go away. I believe that we've, we've moved forward progressively uh, and we've been forced to in a way. But that's, that's sometimes, you know, change happens through, you know, sort of these kind of situations. You know, you, you change because you have to typically, not necessarily just because you want to.
0: Yeah, for sure. I, literally, Andy, Adam, and I were just talking about the fact that um, when we go back, like the normal is not going to be no. what, what we experienced pre March twenty twenty. You know, it's not going to be. I mean, we we have what we've done. What, what and because, like you said, because we've been forced to is offer people different opportunities and proven to them that we can do it. <laughs> that was one of the hardest, this this is one of the hard. you know, I've been in this for 24, 25 years. This is one of the hardest things I've ever done. And I think many people would say the same thing, right? And we've proven that we can do it. And some of the options, like you said, for certain groups of kids, this is better for them than in-person school.
2: Right. And, and like you said, we, we're doing it. We're actually like, like if you had told it. like if you had told this three of us like you know a couple of years ago that this is what it would look like, we'd be like, "There's no chance." No that As laughed. a whole, all of my teachers would be doing Zoom lessons multiple times a day. You know, we're all virtual. There's no chance I'd be like, "Well, what about this teacher and that teacher?" But my teachers are crushing it, and it's just tremendous how fast that's come yeah. around. And I and as I'm, I'm hopeful that if we can keep growing it that way as an educational society. That you know, maybe we start taking more initiative on our own, you know, mm-hmm. to make these changes because maybe we'll we we'll have uh, gained more trust in the community, maybe that we can do these things.
0: Yeah, so true. And listen, I'm not saying that you know we all we all miss kids. You know, I love seeing kids every day. That's why we got yeah. into business. So, but I'm saying, like you like you said, for certain groups of kids, we can we can do better. We can do different. There are things we've learned during COVID that we say to each other all the time, like, why don't we just do that on a regular basis? Right. <laughs> you know. So
2: yeah, oh, we, yeah we've even done a communication, few education I mean just oh just the level of communication now too is um, you know being able to jump in zoom meetings and all that like it just, it's just sure. it's just even these little things that I think uh, we take for granted now like you said they are not gonna change it's gonna, it's gonna I think we move forward you know and, and even though it's a bad situation, um, you know I'm proud of education, I'm mm-hmm. proud of us for being progressive and, and forward thinking and um, you know as a group teachers leaders, uh, you should be proud of yourselves you know, because, you know, you could sort of fold in the towel, throw in the towel, but uh, we're making some great changes. Uh, Good things for kids.
0: Absolutely.
1: Totally the right message to share with our teachers. Yep. And our principals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah. I, I agree with you, man. I, I'm proud of everyone in education today, you know. Um never been more proud. It's been such a whirlwind and people have faced it and and I'm proud of our kids too. I'm proud of our parents, you know, the ones who are staying home and having right. to uh digital learn with their with the kids. You know, my wife's home with four of our little ones, mm-hmm. you know. That that's she didn't expect that. <laughs> we weren't ready, we weren't ready for that. And and at the same time, teachers weren't ready to have parents on the other side of the screen watching them teach all day. Yeah, Teachers weren't ready for that.
1: No. Didn't expect it, didn't anticipate it, didn't train for it.
0: No. It hit me the other day when I went home for lunch and and was watching. I'm like, oh, my gosh, there are parents sitting with their kids watching the teacher teach. Teachers didn't prepare for that. Yeah, remember how, like,
2: you'd get nervous if a parent goes into a classroom (laughs) for an observation? Well, they're doing that every day. Every (laughs) day. Every day, like every single lesson, you know. Yeah, and they're crushing it. And uh, as a parent group, you know, I – they should be able to see what their kid is receiving, you know, and be confident that what we're doing is great for kids. And, and, uh, the more transparent we are, I think the better. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing
0: for sure, man. For sure. Well, listen, Andy. Um, it's been a pleasure to have you on today. We are th- we are thrilled about this episode. Uh, I'm going to remind you, brother, about the Admin Mastermind next week. Uh, I really encourage you to to make some time for it. Either 8 a.m. Central or 6 p.m. Uh, Central. You you won't you won't regret it. There's a bunch of great people in there. I mean, you probably know a few of them. So, um, oh, yeah. it's, it's it'll it'll be great. And our uh, to our listeners, buy the book when it comes out. You're gonna it's going to be fantastic. I uh, can't wait to read it Andy and uh you know from the principal leadership lab from us to you just thank you so much man what a great episode this has been
2: yeah thanks ab thanks jeff appreciate being on here all
0: right man
1: adam we'll see you next time thank you for joining us on this week's episode of the principal leadership lab feel free to connect with us in between episodes on twitter and on instagram all of our information is included within our show notes until next time This is Adam signing off for the Principal Leadership Lab.